Well, hello there. This is Dan Jones again, and this is the third installment on this quiet talk series that I have called, What Good is the Bible? Now, last week, we looked at how to understand the Bible. You can think of the Bible as a letter from God to his people. If you're not one of his people, you won't get it. I would encourage you to listen to that talk if you haven't already. It's foundational. There is a link at the top of this page that says all episodes. Click on that and you will see past installments. Today I want to talk about an idea that is vital to understanding the Bible and especially to applying the Bible. The Bible was not just written to satisfy our curiosity or to give us reading material to put us to sleep at night. It was written to change us. The word I'd like you to think about with me today is the word authority. For Christians, the Bible is our authority. We use the word authority in different ways. It is sometimes a synonym for the government, the authorities, the governmental authorities. These authorities have the power to enforce their will. They can make you do things you may not want to do. We use the word in other ways. We talk about people who know a lot about a certain thing. Medical authorities say that you should watch your blood pressure. You should not eat certain things. You should get more exercise. In the case of these authorities, they can't really make us do anything, but they are called authorities because of their knowledge. Some people are thought to have moral authority. Somebody like Gandhi comes to mind. His authority is based on his life and example. People listen to him not because he had the power to make us do anything or because he had certain advanced scientific training. They listen to him because of the life he lived. It seems that nowadays people give the most heed to scientific authorities. We live in an age that worships science, or at least what people think is science. When we're making decisions that affect our personal well-being and the well-being of our loved ones, we want the best information we can get. So we turn to scientific authorities. Your physician is a scientific authority to you. He knows more about medicine than you do and hopefully wants the best for you and your health. You listen to him and you take the pills he prescribes for you. But is there a higher authority we can look to? Is there a higher moral authority than Gandhi or Martin Luther King or Mother Teresa? Is there a higher authority than the government? Well, I have an idea you're way ahead of me here. I am a preacher after all. You probably know where I'm headed. Jesus Christ is the highest authority. Paul says that God the Father has raised Jesus up and seated him at his own right hand, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion. He has raised the name of Jesus above every name that you can name in this present physical world and also in the invisible spiritual world that is just as real as the one you can see with your eyes. God has put all things under his feet. In other words, Jesus is the boss when he speaks on any subject that settles it. 
Whether people realize it or not, they are obliged to obey Jesus Christ. Now, obviously, most people don't. God has given us free will. But the day will come when Jesus will judge the world and every person who has ever lived in it. That means me. That means you. As I said, earthly government uses force and coercion to make people submit to their authority. But God doesn't use force, at least not now. God has given us the power to say no to him. I've often wondered why God gave us this power. Wouldn't the world be a better place if God just made things go right? Now, I'm not going to take the time today to go into the problem of evil. Suffice it to say that God has given human beings the power to choose. If I choose to do evil, it's not God's fault. God has not only given his law through revelation, as in the Ten Commandments handed down on Mount Sinai, but according to St. Paul, God has written his law in our hearts. We usually call that conscience. The word conscience is made up of two words, con, meaning with, and science, meaning knowledge. So conscience is a shared knowledge. God has shared with us in our hearts what is right and wrong. When we do wrong, we are deliberately going against the knowledge God has given us. And we as individuals are completely responsible. One day, each one of us will give account to God for the things we did in this life. In this world, we face the choice of obeying God or being gods to ourselves. God has given us choice because his goal is love, and love must be freely chosen. You can't force anybody to love. You can force them to do a lot of things, but you can't force them to love. Imagine that if at the bottom of your tax return where you have to sign your name asserting that everything in there is true under penalty of perjury, that the IRS made you affirm that you love them with all your heart. I doubt anybody would be able to sign off on that affirmation. You can't force love. So God gives us the opportunity to choose him freely. The first commandment, according to Jesus, is to love God with all your heart and soul and mind. Now, it is certainly true that God helps us in this. As I said, he has given us a conscience. Remember when you were a child and you did something you knew was wrong, your conscience was tender then. But perhaps you have violated your conscience repeatedly. When you do that, your conscience becomes less tender, and tragically, you can deaden it altogether. But this is still your choice. Nobody forced you to go against what you knew to be right. In addition to conscience, God has revealed his glory in creation. The heavens declare the glory of God, and so does every blade of grass and every cell and every atom and molecule that exists. There is a revelation from God that is more powerful and more effective than conscience or the witness of the physical creation that we see every day. That revelation is Jesus Christ. 
The first chapter of the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament talks about the ways God has spoken to us, the ways he has tried to help us onto the right road. It says that God spoke to us at various times and in many different ways through the prophets of old. But in these last days, God has spoken to us through his Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the final and most complete revelation of God. People say, why doesn't God do something in this messed up world? He has done something. He has sent his one and only Son, not only to communicate something about himself with us, but by his death and resurrection to open the path of redemption to all who call on him. Someday Jesus will return to earth, this time not to suffer rejection and death at our evil hands, but he will come as the sovereign Lord of all. He will come to bring the world into final judgment. He will finally exert that authority that God the Father has given him. In this third installment in our series called What Good is the Bible? I want to state as emphatically and forcefully as I am able that the theme of the Bible from beginning to end is Jesus Christ. Right in the Garden of Eden, when mankind first sinned against God and brought suffering and evil into this creation, God spoke of the one to come when he said, The offspring of the woman will crush the serpent's head. The offspring of the woman is a reference to the coming of Messiah, Jesus. In his death on the cross, he defeated all the powers of evil that torment this world. As Paul declared in his letter to the Colossian church, Jesus disarmed the rulers and authorities, making a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them through the cross. One day Jesus was having a discussion with the very religious people of his day. He said to them, You people search the scriptures or what we today would call the Old Testament, because you think that in them you will find eternal life. But the scriptures talk about me, and yet with all that you refuse to come to me and have life. They searched the scriptures, but they missed the point. We human beings have a unique ability to do that, to miss the point. The point of the Bible is Jesus. The Bible is authoritative because it's about Jesus, who is the final and ultimate authority in this universe. Now, Jesus came into the world in a specific time and place. God chose witnesses, people like Peter and the other apostles, as as well as others who saw him in the flesh, who were eyewitnesses of his miracles, of his death, and of his bodily resurrection. But we didn't live then and there. So God inspired these eyewitnesses to write down what they saw and heard. And in ways that we alluded to a couple of weeks ago, God went to great lengths over the centuries to preserve this written witness. The Bible is that witness. 
It is a witness to Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. As such, we are obliged to submit to its authority, to study it, to memorize it, and to proclaim it to a lost world. Someday all of these human authorities will be no more. They will vanish away like smoke. But Jesus Christ will remain forever as God's designated authority. He will sit on the throne of creation, and all will bow to him. Today you have the privilege to freely submit to Jesus. You are not under any sort of irresistible force. Nobody is coercing you. On the contrary, the Holy Spirit is pleading with you, wooing you in great love and mercy to yield yourself to Christ, to come to Him that you might have life. My friend, do it today before the day comes when our ability to freely choose will be gone forever. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the witness of God's holy word, the Bible, that from beginning to end speaks of Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Son of God who came to redeem us. Father, I pray for those listening today. If there's somebody listening, Lord God, who has never submitted to Jesus Christ, who has never surrendered to the King of kings, the one who loves them with an everlasting love, the one who shed his precious blood for them, I pray that they will do it now. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. My friend, if you'd like to contact me, father.danjones at outlook.com. That's my email address. And as I said in the, in the message, the first part of the message, let me remind you that previous uh, episodes or installments of these talks are at the top of this page and just click on, I think it says all episodes, click on that. You will see all of the talks that I have uploaded here to, uh, to this uh, podcast page. May God richly bless you, my friend.